0: G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 155 of the Outback Mind podcast. Appreciate you joining in once again. Now, today I have a very special guest on with me, a fellow by the name of uh, Andrew English. Andrew uh, recently uh, sailed a winged foil from Melbourne or Victoria over to Tasmania. Um, Any of you that know what a a winged foil is, it's basically like a surfboard with a bit of a keel on it um, and you hang on to like a kite. Um, Really sort of like a windsurfer but a lot more awkward, like you're battling with this uh, with this kite pretty much the whole way. And um, uh, yeah, it's not an easy thing to operate and certainly going that distance, uh, you know, in amongst the weather that uh, Bass Strait can throw up would have been pretty challenging, I would have thought. So we're gonna talk a bit about that, but also talk a bit about uh, Andrew's life. He's uh, a filmmaker and also a creative director and um, really um, has done some wonderful things to be able to bring some inspiration to people's lives over many years, and uh, we want to really sort of tap into, um, I suppose, Andrew's perspective on what it uh, is to um, do what you're passionate about, you know, and really do things that really come from your heart. And I know anyone that's in the creative space is pretty much living that way, you know, you you you're doing things because it really resonates with you, and uh, usually that um, that can come with uh, challenge, but also eventually, if you stick with it, it can come with reward and. Uh, you know, for someone like Andrew to be able to, uh, to, to to, jump on a surfboard and travel across uh, Bass Strait is pretty uh, pretty much a mean feat, that's for sure. So I reckon uh, we're going to get lots of uh, insight on the challenges uh, that he uh, that he faced, but also the challenges that he may have faced uh, himself uh, throughout his life, but also with others um, uh, in Victoria where he lives. So I'm really sure you're going to enjoy this chat. Just want to make a special mention to Green Nutritionals who support the podcast. So if you're lacking something in your diet, uh, they provide green organic superfoods which are sourced from the best places around the world and also available at good health food stores and also online. So really encourage you to check them out and help them out. They're a great company, uh, really ethical and uh, love you to support them. The uh, website is greennutritionals.com.au. Uh, really appreciate, uh, appreciate your feedback on this podcast, been getting some greats. Uh, feedback for the other ones that have been uh, coming on so uh, the other guys that have been coming on and girls and i uh, really appreciate your support so if you'd like to email me um, with some feedback on this one be appreciated best email is support at outbackmind.com.au au. righty i uh, hope you enjoy andrew and I going at it here i'm sure you're gonna gonna get a lot from this conversation cheers andrew how are you mate Aaron, I'm very good, mate. Great to chat to you. That's right, you too. Very, really uh, grateful to to have you on. And um, you're speaking to me down there in Victoria at the moment, and uh, I know you've had a challenging few years down there. Um, I'm grateful that I I sort of um, missed it personally, but uh, you know I can only sort of uh, imagine um, you know what you guys have been down, uh, been through uh, with regards to you know getting through the last period, particularly someone like yourself that likes to get outside and 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 get shit done
1: absolutely right absolutely i think you forget how much how important it is like we're all I think we're quite robust and resilient but that oh. 2020 particularly puts such as put put that to the test as it did for you know millions of aussies for sure
0: yeah mate absolutely but hopefully we've come out the other side of things now and uh you know i reckon we're going to talk about challenges a bit more as this conversation goes on and and that can be a real mental challenge, uh, you know, uh, having to uh, to uh, disengage with the things you love doing, I suppose. But, um, you yeah, know, from that challenge comes growth. So, mate, uh, really love to hear a bit about your journey, um, you know, where you were sort of brought up and from. And obviously, I'm really intrigued by, by um, you know, you, the creative work that you do on the filmmaking and so forth. But we'll... Uh, we'll sort of, you know, lead it in from there and then we'll, uh, we'll have a bit of a chat about what happened on Bass Strait there not long not long ago as well. Sounds great. Mate, so, yeah, so where were, we, where were you brought up? Down the peninsula there, Frankston Way or? Yeah, no, I grew up in Templestowe,
1: which was, you know, the eastern suburbs, um, which was kind of, you know, traditional suburbia. Yep. And um, we did, the parents did buy a little shack down at Flinders, which was pretty sleepy coastal town on the peninsula when we were kids. And that was really our introduction to adventure. So, you know, we were into, the parents were into boating, into skiing, into fishing. And I had kind of this crazy, my parents were European or Austrian and German. So they were pretty crazy. And as a kid, we had these, you know, these uncles that were these mad uncles that used to take us on these crazy adventures. So, you know, they would take us parachuting, they would take us parasailing behind the boat. Just stuff now that you just wouldn't even consider as a kid. <laughs> yeah. But I remember thinking it was it was normal to do this crazy stuff and it was such a great adventure mm. as as kids when we grew up when we were growing up.
0: Mm, amazing mate. So so you got a bit of a taste for it then. Did you do anything risky as a teenager? Did you sort of stay on track pretty well, or did you go off the rails a little bit possibly or? You know, I reckon my, one of my biggest regrets is, as a teenager, we were into
1: windsurfing. We were into, you know, we were into all these really cool activities, and then once you turned 18, I discovered drink and alcohol. And <laughs> for me, that kind of dictated the next 10 years, which was just partying and drinking, yeah. which I, I was still creative, I was still building my business and doing that. but. You know, it's fair to say I let a lot of the adventurous stuff drop off drop off in my twenties, mm. and I think I let the alcohol take over because that was kind of the party scene, and I do regret it because I think all the stuff like windsurfing and all the cool stuff I stopped doing.
0: That's mm. ah, amazing, mate, isn't it? Like, it's 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 funny how the mind works, and I always say like you get the easy choice or the hard choice. The hard choice would have been to turn your back on that and, and uh, push uh, into the things that you love more. Um, You know, but the easy way is to sort of fall back and, and hit the booze and party and, uh, you know, do do the social side of things, you know, but uh, to be resilient enough to push through that is where the growth and the, um, I suppose, the new adventures and opportunities come. Oh, ab-
1: absolutely. And I think also just having role models, you know, around that age, that critical age, because everyone I was looking up to were like party heads and they are all you know, you kind of define your masculinity through drinking and partying mm-hmm. yeah. when I was a kid, when I was at that age. So I think that was, for me, the normal. It wasn't the adventurers and the people paddling pastro back then. It was people that, you know, who could go out the longest and stay out the longest, which, uh, looking back now, I, I just think that was more the norm around then as well, I think, mm-hmm. I think when, I was, when I was growing up.
0: Mm. It's amazing, though. I was down in Hobart the other week and just observing I stayed close to the city and just observing. I was out running at sort of five in the morning or a bit earlier and it doesn't get um, daylight 10 or after six, but I was watching these young people like in and out of the nightclubs and the behaviour and all that type of stuff. And, you know, I was one of them too. Uh, but yep. certainly, um, yeah, mate, these guys these days, they, they'll, they'll take a pill or something. They'll go hard like for days on end, you know. We were quite lucky that we weren't exposed to that sort of stuff back then
1: yeah it was more definitely definitely a drink strong drinking culture um and like i don't know anyone who did it i don't remember at that point so i think now the people i'm experiencing young guys like they're putting so much more energy into doing cool adventures and channeling that testosterone into something positive Mm, which it's take it's taken me years to work that out like i i just wish i kind of new but again you don't know what you don't know so at that stage
0: you just do what you think's normal oh absolutely mate but yeah no that, that, that that's really really well said you know and i know with with guys cortisol levels the way we wake up you know we can take the left or the right turn you know and the left turn can be uh you know sort of having a coffee and um um you know putting the radio on and getting put in fear or we could do something you know positive to burn that energy off and um you know the way you describe that challenge channeling, channeling that the testosterone into something positive which we which you're not going to get a negative response from i think is um is really important and you know the the, the universe will always uh, correct us if we're doing something wrong primarily and if you're doing it into something positive you'll be rewarded with that but usually you'll get a kick up the ass if it's not uh, not that great i suppose at the end of the day
1: yeah yeah ab- absolutely and, you know and i think that i think the i think everyone defi- i thought heard a few what i was heard the, the hockey podcast and how you know everyone he was saying that his personality was defined by the party guy you know they want him mm. to they want him to be the drunk mm. people expect him to be the guy that's kind of drinking and i was sort of the same where people go oh you know your personality is defined by being a drunk mm. and for so long I felt that was my persona which it wasn't it's was complete rubbish mm. but at the time you kind of driven into that and I realised the best part of me had nothing to do with that and no, I'm not against alcohol I drink occasionally I generally don't but mm. I'm certainly not I don't totally abstain, but I try and live that an alcohol-free life wherever possible. But, mm. you know, I've realised the best parts of so many people are, have nothing to do with that. <laughs> it's more yes. to do with the cool, the cool things they're doing creatively, spiritually, whatever.
0: Yeah, you're controlling it and it's not controlling you. That, that's the important thing, whereas back then it probably controlled us. You know, we're unconscious of that primarily. But, um, but yeah, it's interesting, mate. Um, you know, I, I always sort of reflect on my ex-wife sort of making a comment to me, you know, saying you were great when you were drinking and, um, yeah, uh, yep. but, but yeah, like it wasn't really me perhaps, you know, you yep, sort of, yep. you got this uh, heightened sense of, um, uh, of, of self-worth, but, uh, but primarily, you know, deep down, you've got to be able to connect, um, with the real self more often. And, uh, I think if, if you can do that, then the creative pursuits and so forth come, you know, and, um, um, it's interesting, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued by by the work that you do, the creativity work, and obviously that was sort of bubbling away in the background when you were going through that party scene. When did it really take off for you? Well,
1: I was, we are going through all this sort of stage, but when I was 27, I started like a design business with one of my mates, and he was one of my, he was actually a DJ. Yeah. And he, so you've got the worst, the worst combination, he's giving <laughs> his drink card, but in the end we sort of hung out and we were partying together and we started this design business, you know, which was great. Twenty seven, little design firm and everyone was getting into graphics with Apple computers. So we started that and it was it was it was brilliant but still that the whole culture of that with clients, with taking them out and boozing was such a big part of it for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So I think I was, you know, kind of working hard but also drinking a lot. The creativity was brilliant. We were doing lots of creative stuff and we were running our own business, but I was also indoors a lot. Like, at the time, I was was sort of... I'd work, like most people, I'd work for 48 weeks or 50 weeks a year and then I'd take two weeks off and do a big adventure. Mm
0: -hmm. Amazing.
1: And, you know, like, you're you're slaving away, you're working, you're stressed, I was smoking. And then I'd go mountain climbing because I was, like, into these... I was into mountaineering. So it was this weird parallel where I would be living this crappy life as in fitness and health, and then I would spend three weeks doing these extreme adventures and climbing mountains, so it didn't, it was like, it was, it was like all or nothing, uh, it wasn't like I'd, I'd train and keep consistent, I'd basically go, go, you know, really unhealthy and then spend a couple of weeks in like Alaska or New Zealand mountain climbing and then I'd <laughs> go back to my life, so yes. little bursts of creative, of, of adventure mixed with long stretches of unhealthy depression and unhealthy living.
0: Mm, sounds very familiar. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds very familiar. Okay. Why don't they? Why don't they put in the curriculum like a, a year of like learning how to uh, understand yourself better and um, and tap into this shit earlier, so we don't have to go through all the rubbish and come out the other side of it. You know, uh, it's um, um it's amazing because yeah, what what you were saying before, uh, there <clears you> know, <throat> describe me. I, I I was sort of at that age. Uh, reasonably successful if you want to look at the financial side of things but you know i'd never really contacted my deeper deeper sense of self uh, at all but uh, i used to get paid to get people drunk too you know it was always (laughs) always uh you know um corporate events or you know taking people out for dinner and um yeah I, i was just like going through this cycle of um of just feeling like shit, but really not not knowing what it was like to feel good because I never really knew what that was like. You know, it's uh,
1: your norm to feel. Yeah, your norm is to feel hungover over, or you're using that to pep yourself up. But from you know again with that come okay massive bouts of depression because obviously as a depressant you're feeling rubbish for most of the time
0: mm, that's right absolutely and uh and but yeah it sort of becomes the default setting doesn't it too we we don't sort of know any other way and it's not until you clean yourself up that uh that you actually realize shit I, i've just um missed out on a, on a lot of stuff that uh, i probably could have tapped into but it does take longer than two weeks you know you can go on an adventure you'll feel great after that and you'll come back and have a few beers to celebrate but um but primarily, it takes a bit of time to uh, to do the work on yourself, so you can start to self regulate more naturally, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and I think culturally, you know, we I think one thing that COVID's given us is a great capacity to work remotely, mm. and like it's shaken up the whole dynamic of working and sitting a tradition of going in, working thirty seven hours in a little box, mm. suddenly. If people are working from coffee shops. They're working from, you know, from, from, a, from, a, from the beach. And that's amazing. Yes. So I think, every, and, you know, there's a reason why people aren't going back to their offices because it's a rubbish way to work generally.
0: Oh, absolutely, mate. I, um, well, the, the next part of my career, I, I sort of went into workplace wellbeing being quite heavily and, um, uh, you know, tried to go into those environments and, and help them, um, you know, do things positive so they could... Um, get their bodies working more functionally, eat better, um, you know, get away from the air conditioner, get outside, all that type of stuff. But there's a real resilience to do that still. Um, yeah. I, I just hope with what's happened over, over the last couple of years, that'll actually, like, shift the thinking. We'll start to see a lot of these big office buildings turned into accommodation. And, um, you know, people can start to work a bit more in nature rather than sort of being uh, denatured by sitting in an office, I suppose. Yeah, and I think
1: we're, we're prone, like... We're just not prone to sit in one place for hours at a time as humans i oh, i'm not i don't think most people are mm. i think you know i uh, as a creative working creative agencies and advertising but it's funny because generally the way you work is you sit there you get a brief you mm. sit in a room for like a week and you don't mm. leave it and you smash red Bulls, you drink you yeah. eat your food and you basically the culture is it's like kind of this almost battery hand mentality where you just sit there to your almost comatose and then you come out with some creativity mm. Mm. and that is not the way creativity needs moments of intense spark where you all get together but then it might be going for a surf or going for a run or and i found that doesn't happen in the traditional model of business people think you've got to sit there sit there at the desk you know, and it's so inefficient. Well, I found it was, and I think a lot of people
0: are too now. Sit there and think, yeah, that's right. And you force it, you know, when you're not. You forcing it, yeah, yeah. When, when you're not forcing it, it comes. Like for me, it's when you're out of your mind. You're in nature. You're, I'm running. You know, I'm running, and I'm just in this natural flow state. And that's when the, the downloads will come. You know, it's not when you're sort of sitting there trying to force it. I I, I don't think. Do you? Oh uh, look. Uh, I mean even you know I mean think of school like they
1: worked it out like hundreds of years ago you only do 50 minute periods when you go to school like you know Mm. primary school or high school Mm. because you only got 15 minutes of attention so if you're not breaking that and even now I use that principle you go you have a little burst like an hour and then you do something different and that's how creativity comes it doesn't come from sitting there staring at a wall or a computer Mm. for hours and hours and hours it just doesn't so I think people I mean for my you know, just people that I know that are working remotely now—they're finding them so much more productive.
0: Mm. Oh, mate! And we all so happier. Oh, I um, I worked um, as a workplace health health advisor with the Tasmanian Health Service, and. You know, the Freddo Frog uh, machine was getting a flogging like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon every day. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to guide these people and, and they're all overweight, you know. I'm sort of thinking, well, yeah. this is the health department. We're meant to be driving being through the state here, but we're... We're, we're 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 all unhealthy you know i thought i was probably the exception because i was looking after myself and i wouldn't go to those uh, quick interventions but um but yeah mate like you know I'll, some of the things i was trying to bring i was saying like you know can we get our staff outside and get them to walk around the block just you know twice a day just to, just to get out of this uh, air conditioning uh, environment um you know just to, to free their mind up and start to breathe um and get their bodies moving, and that was just hit with um, resilience and resistance from management. And, um, you know, I, I'm trying to, uh, to, to to try and drive, you know, a culture of looking after yourself, but they weren't doing much to, um, um, you know, to, to put these things in place where, you know, people could uh, potentially change, you know, standing desk, all that sort of stuff, which is getting back to our physiology rather than actually, you know, sitting where our, our digestive system's, you know, squashed up and, and all those sorts of things, and uh, we we sort of got miles away from, you know, getting uh, the best out of ourselves. Uh, and and organisations need to realise that they can get more out of people if they actually do things that work with them rather than against them.
1: Yeah, and look, that's so funny. You mentioned the Freddo box because <laughs> I remember we had the you know the donation box they bring in. It's a dollar for the chocolate. Yeah, that's it. That 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 thing got a flogging, and I'm guilty. Like oh, that would be the highlight at two o'clock. I'd have a little, you know, two bucks couple of chockeys <laughs> and then you just of course you feel comatose after that you feel like you want to sleep for the rest of the arbo mm. and then come five we hit the bar the bar would open in the office we had dre- you know we would an open bar it's advertising so everyone's on the booze and mm. that's the culture where you sit around then till 12 o'clock boozing on and then you try and start work again you get up at six and do it again so
0: oh. it's, it's, it's it's
1: not the way but i i sort of I sort of realised that along long, I think, a few years ago and luckily made the changes, which is you know, we, we, how we started our more recent business, which is a filmmaking business, and we've changed totally the dynamic in that mm-hmm. five years ago. So I think all that led up to it, though, and I didn't, start, well, I didn't start that until I was 50, so it took a lot
0: of time to work it out. Oh, mate. But, yeah, look, you hit on some really uh, important things there, like... Um what what happens is we're we're looking for stimulant after stimulant aren't we you know so so the crash you have after the chocolate Well, listening to your body and actually understanding what it's going through that's what we don't understand as humans you know we haven't actually like been made aware of what's going on below the shoulders and how to you know get that functioning properly so we are going from one thing to the other to try and give ourselves a boost but there's so many better ways to do that
1: yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not normally presented in an office necessarily because the traditional way to think is, uh, you know, we'll just. It's not. Let's all keep everyone together. You do your nine to five. You knuckle down. But a more fluid state the way we naturally are. You know, we all work. It's just. It's it's proven time and time again. So. I think, I think offices will evolve, and the ones that are leading and winning awards and doing amazing stuff are living with that sort of model anyway. They're the, they're the ones who are successful. It's the, you know, the Apples and the Googles and these amazing workplaces.
0: Mm, they've got the money to that. Uh, that they've got the money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that certainly helps. But, mate, it's really interesting to see that you were courageous enough to do something like uh, you did at the age of 50. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I sort of... At 44, I sold that graphic design business. I was with a mate, and I got out of it. Mm -hmm. And I was absolutely broken. Like, I was overweight. I was depressed. Um, The people that I sold it to just didn't respect what I was doing, so I had absolutely the lowest ebb of confidence. And you're 44, so you think you're a dinosaur. I thought I was a dinosaur at that age. I'm like, who the hell is going to employ this old burnout? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, back then... Like, we all think, when I was 30, I thought I was a dinosaur. I mean, we all think we're aged at that point, but at that point, there's no way I thought I would be where I am now. And luckily, I had a turn of fate where I ran into somebody who was running an advertising agency and started a new amazing advertising agency, and they sort of said, do you want to come and help us? And I started working more in the film capacity and suddenly realised I've still got skills that I could nurture and kind of rekindle my mojo. Yeah. But then, you know, luckily, and then worked for the next six years doing incredible creative and design and film stuff, travelling the world. But it was on one of the shoots where we were working for... Um, I was managing the Kathmandu account, Kathmandu Clothing. And they we won the account, and they said, look, our, our shoots next month, you've got to go to China to film it. And I just thought, you, you've got to be kidding. This is you, I can get paid to do this? This is nuts. <laughs> So they flew us to china and i suddenly hung out with all these creative guys filmmakers photographers and i'm watching them and i'm going do you guys you make a live you make a living from this you can travel around the world and do this <laughs> like oh. I go, oh I, I, want part of, I want to become oh a part of this you know i want a piece of this mm. so yeah. i learned and over over the subsequent couple of years we did like 13 international trips traveled around the world and i'm thought this is like and I'm 46 at this point, so still, not no spring chicken. But essentially re-skilled, got my photography skills back up to speed, my filmmaking, learnt a lot about the industry, and then at 50 started our business, Safari, which is an adventure filmmaking business. So there's no way I would have thought that's possible. No chance when I was in my 40s. I thought that was it.
0: Mm, that's, that's really, really topical and uh, important for people listening to know that um, you know you can do things to change your life no matter whatever age you are and you, you've obviously had some risks because you've got kids and all those sorts of things to be able to do something where you're independent but you know mm. what what just goes to show that it can be can be done
1: yeah and that you're right about the risks definitely there's a lot of fear. the I had young kids we had you know we had a we had mortgage we had all the bills like most people but um i just thought and I see so many people now that are reaching that sort of 40 age, they've really locked themselves into a situation where they can't change because they've got so much debt. Mm. And, you know, they're living the life. they've got the nice cars, but it means they're really trapped. So I always thought I'd rather sacrifice a little bit of financial security for freedom and time with my family.
0: Yes. Oh, mate, that's so important. You know, I just think there there is a shift with regards to that now too. And that, that was the old way where, you know... You and I were getting drunk to get other people drunk uh, to get business. Um, yeah. But, uh, but now we're realising that the real important stuff doesn't um, doesn't really come from financial reward. You know, it's uh, nature's always trying to teach us. Um, um, you know that there's this uh, another way, and there's there's uh, there's gifts out there for us that we've probably been unconscious of. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: But you know, I think I think the um, I just. I just think you just so many people think you reach a point and you sort of put a place of limitation, and I certainly did. Mm-hmm. But you know, nobody ever asks. Nobody goes, you know, how nobody ever asks me how old I am generally. You just as long as you keep learning, keep doing stuff, you're still relevant. I think as males, that's such an important thing too, which I felt during COVID because I wasn't able to work, and then I thought, like most people, what's what's my purpose? I can't do what I'm good at, so mm-hmm. what's my? I'm useless. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Your mind, <laughs> and,
1: I'm, and I don't know. you you kind of you define yourself by what we do as men and i certainly did and i do i I didn't think i did but i you know if i can't do what i'm good at i do feel pretty useless yes
0: yeah it's amazing isn't it and uh that is a a trap uh in itself to be able to sort of you know come to that uh but also realize that um okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm challenged with something here. What can I do to keep myself uh, occupied or, you know, learn something new or uh, take another direction for a period of time to be able to get through this period? Because there's always um, an opportunity uh, in adversity to grow. You know, we, we can get sort of trapped uh, and then we'll go backwards pretty quickly and then those old poor lifestyle behaviours can possibly come in. But if you can uh, look at uh, a challenge, uh, uh as an opportunity for growth and i think you can come out the other side um you know really well and a better person at the end of the day
1: yeah definitely i mean you can keep you can just keep you can keep learning and experience whether it's through sport or uh, pushing your own skill set but i think you've got to keep doing it like till you i think you just need to keep doing it till you stop breathing essentially because Mm -hmm. you're still evolving we are keeps us keeps us fresh even at 80 you look at people like david attenborough they're 90 years you know 100 years old still the top of their game mm, or right. or Led hamilton Led hamilton he's 57 or you know kelly slater those guys are 50 and they are pumping mm, Punk. Mm, i know and they're my and, and they're the guys that inspire me because i go these dudes are just still
0: you know at the top you know absolute pinnacle of their game and like they're in their 50. It's mm, exciting. i know mate it's possible look i i i, d- I dug deep into it uh years ago um uh the light bulb for me was when I went to uni to study nutrition and I just learnt that they were only trying to educate me to support the industries and the economy. So I sort of thought, well, I yeah. want to find out what, what humans really um, need to do to thrive, you know, into their, into their you know, middle age and old age and that. And I sort of went and looked at healthy cultures around the world and what they're doing, and they're doing totally the opposite of what they're telling us to do here, you know. So, so looking at guys like Laird and Kelly Slater and, and that, they would be eating more to their body types, to their to their um, uh, to their environment, all those sorts of things, you know, and they're actually getting all the elements um that, that that nature provides to keep us healthy. So we're being denatured by the system that we're in. I reckon, and um, you know, I sort of woke up to that quite a while back, and. Um, I just think, you know, you and I are having these sorts of conversations for a reason because it's actually trying to sort of help others sort of realise that um, there are other ways, you know, Um, and you still can thrive uh, into, um, you know, your 70s, 80s, 90s and beyond because if you can keep yourself functioning well and, um, you know, certainly keeping the physical body in good condition and also keeping it uh, balanced, you know, above the shoulders, Uh, then all of a sudden you know anything's possible and um, you know we're we're meant to be thriving as humans we're not meant to be ended up going through you know the super stage and into an old people's home I just I wouldn't say that's failure but you know I certainly don't want to be at that stage myself you know where I go into that that environment and just sip cups of tea and take pills every day because my dad's there and um, you know, I, I don't want to end up like my dad. I, I see that with compassion. You know, I really do. And mm. um, um, you know, I know he went downhill really quickly when he went into that environment because he was a bit like you and I. We like liked to be outside and doing things, and you know, getting his uh, hands dirty and that. But um, yeah, I just think we've got this uh, this mindset of, uh, of of comfort in society, and that comfort can can cause disease. You know, physically and mentally as well.
1: Oh, totally. When we when we did this this trip, this, the the windfall trip, a big aspect that we were kind of touching on was that as we've become so comfortable as a society, and we don't like the idea of pushing and being uncomfortable in environments. We just don't like mm. as humans. We shy away from it, mm. um, whether it's challenge or being scared or fear. You know, generally, it's we're kind of hardwired to a certain degree, but. That certainly plays for limitations, and I know so many people in their 40s, you think they, they just they have this mindset that they're that age, therefore they have to stop doing things yeah. and then they, and then they start having injuries because they're not moving. so it's sort of this self-fulfilling cycle of down, downhill cycle where you're not exercising, so your body's sore and you from zero going back into your unhealthy habits. So I'm not saying I'm perfect in the way I live by any means, but at least I know I do know what I need to be happy. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not always ticking those boxes, but I know that, that that ingredients. I think they're similar for everyone, you know?
0: Oh, for sure, mate. Look, I got a wake-up call the other week when I was coming back from um, Great Keppel Island to Yapoon and I saw a, a, a butterfly four hours offshore flying into the wind. you know so so that's just that, that that just said to me that that this is this you know this isn't taking the easy road it's flying against um the the flow to to get somewhere you know and um and really that's what we've got to do as humans we've got to push against stuff sometimes uh to actually like uh grow uh and keep growing and so forth and it's it's very simple and easy to take the easy option but um you know uh if i want a reminder i've just got to look at nature you know look at what nature's doing and, and some of the things that they're going through um or you know other beings are going through and then all of a sudden we can actually start to get more connected with ourselves definitely definitely so, so you would have um uh, we'll, we'll have a bit of a, a, a chat uh, about that trip that you did from uh, from victoria to uh, to, to tassie on a foil mate there would have been lots of things coming up throughout that conversation but what was the the key driver and motivator to do that
1: well there's a, there's a couple of things one at the time we were filming a lot of we do a lot of filming of adventurous people and we were doing a series on extreme athletes one of them was aunt williams who's a free diver another guy was justin jones who's paddled across the, only, the first person to kayak from Australia to New Zealand. Yeah. So we're dealing with these amazing athletes and I'm interviewing them and I'm always on the on the behind the lens, you know, and I'm kind of learning from them and I'm going, and I started asking them, you know, what, well, like, I want a world first, but what the hell, how do I find my own? I sort of thought, I want my own world first because <laughs> these guys are old. But I thought, what the hell can you do? Because these, I don't want to paddle across to New Zealand. I'm not going to sit in a boat for 600 days. You know, I'm not a big wave surfer. Yeah. And they all sort of started inspiring me by chatting to them. And I'm thinking, I'm just sort of starting back of my mind. I'm thinking, every, like, I think everyone needs a world first or something. Whatever it is, I don't know, what it might be something small. But I thought, what the hell is mine? me? And I started tinkering away and thinking. And then at the same time, through lockdown in melbourne we couldn't leave our house for close to five months so for more than an hour a day so i was going crazy i couldn't work like most of the people in melbourne and then i started googling you know i started googling thick cool things to do and i came up with wing foiling and i'd done a bit of windsurfing back in the day and i was i I was doing a lot of stand-up paddling and i saw these things and i thought this looks insane like I've got to investigate and I ended up buying a setup, not being sure if I could do it or how it worked. work. And then the first time I got up on it, I literally just took to it and everything just clicked. I don't know, I just felt this was obviously something that I was good at and felt really natural on and everything changed. Like suddenly I was I was going out doing my one hour of exercise a day on the foil every single day in Melbourne through winter, through miserable conditions. And then I started to feel happier and more alive. I'm in the ocean every day. Mm. So instantly, instantly, I felt better. Like, instantly I had purpose. I'm learning. My mind's activated. My body felt better. You know, I was on the couch for four months. I basically just didn't leave the couch. I was just mm. sitting there, bored. <laughs> mm. So we kind of had this confluence of things where I've had these inspirational people around me that I'm filming. And then I've got this new sport. And I went out every single day for, you know, six months, got better and better at it. And then started thinking, you know, I was starting to get sort of 40, 50, 60 Ks a day on, on the foil and thought, Jesus, I wonder how, you I know, mean, I wonder how far Bass Strait is and could it be possible to cross it? And I've always thought, I've always been fascinated with it from a sailing perspective and I've got mates who have paddled across Bass Strait, you know, I know people who have kite, kite surfed across it. And then I looked at the map and I thought, well, the longest distance is 90 k's. I could absolutely... Theoretically, it's possible, and that's where the seed started about six months ago.
0: Mm, incredible, mate. So, so. Oh, geez. So much was coming to me while, while you were speaking, then. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. Look, it's like any new skill. Just by putting the time and effort into it, um, you know, and showing up, um, all these things start to appear. And, and that, that open mind of saying, well, what can I actually do? Like, you know, um, I'm doing this, I've got the, uh, I'll, I'll put the work in primarily, um, you know, now what can I do to be able to turn it into something, I suppose? That's, uh, that's creativity in its essence, isn't it? But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by, like, you would have had a support team to, to go with you. Were they in a boat and did you sort of, you know, catch up with them at the end of the day? Or how far were you sort of going without a break um, consistently?
1: Yeah, so we had my team, I've got a team that work with me, so that's part of our filmmaking team. So I had um, my mate who was a videographer and a photographer, so they were the two people as our support team. And the beauty in our business is they could film me, obviously, at the same time. So when I thought about doing this journey, I start. we started filming about six months ago. Mm. And having, having the team around, we could actually document, the, as it became a reality... We could start to... I suddenly thought, actually, I'm going to be able to do this, potentially. Mm-hmm. We documented it. So we had the two guys who were kind of my support crew and also filming. They were there for moral support and, you know, we we knew them really well and we had a skipper who drove the support boat and he handled all our navigation and kind of safety issues. So three of, three of those guys and myself and then each day I would foil for kind of three to six hours and then we would stay on the boat each evening.
0: Unbelievable. So so tell me, mate, um, like getting back to what we were sort of discussing before, were you mm-hmm. observing things in nature and that out there that you would never have um, sort of experienced or, or seen before?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, the whole time, when you're wingfoiling, it's such an effortless... Uh, when you're, actually, when you're up on the foil, you're so effortless. You're literally flying. There's no resistance. Mm. And it's this incredibly calm feeling. Like, it's, it, it can be super extreme. And when you're jumping and stuff, it's obviously, there's a lot of impact. But when you're gliding, you're literally like a, like a flying fish. Mm. So you're effortlessly gliding across the ocean. There's something super meditative about it mm. as well. Oh. no doubt. So the things... And you think dolphins, seals... I literally was seeing flying fish in front of me and I'm thinking I'm kind of mirroring their behaviour almost, mm. following them. Mm. So you sort of feel, I, I felt super connected um, and everything, you're so attuned to the ocean and every little wave because you want to maximise your performance like any surfer or anyone who if, operates in that environment, you're suddenly even little changes in the sea, in the breeze or the, you know, you're looking at the clouds, you're looking at the patterns on the water and you're so so dialed in, it's mm. It makes you feel, it makes you feel so, it's, are so in the moment, you can't think about anything else.
0: Yes. Mate, and, and, and they're the reminders that I like to give myself, when I, when you get into that flow state, because you realise that, you know, it's only the human that's getting in our own road. Like, everything else in nature is doing everything without thought, primarily, you know, just, just that our thought mechanisms actually block us from, uh, the, the pure flow of, the pure flow of nature, primarily. And, um, when you do see other beings in their element like i've had some uh, incredible experiences with dolphins you know and what they've sort of tried to teach me um but um yeah you just realize that that connection with yourself um, is so much greater than um the, the than you know um the, the booze and all that sort of stuff uh, that uh, that we sort of think brings us happiness but really everything out there is trying to work for us rather than against us yeah
1: yeah I mean the thing being being in that environment you just feel the, the benefits are incredible and you're in you're in such a flow state not always but mm. definitely at times during that trip and when I go out I'm in pure flow and mm. it changes like you have a period where you, you have a bad run and you can't get up but then you get in flow again and you actually not I'm I kind of described as points where I almost felt like I was asleep on the foil I was in this mode where I wasn't actually thinking I just I was just my body was just moving without thought it was and I don't, I don't get that in any other sport. Like, I know surfers get it, and I know I've heard about mm. runners getting it, but mm. I haven't found a sport where I get it, and this is the first time I've felt that, so it's absolutely insane. Mm. And now, mm. I know, I, now I get what they're saying
0: yep. when,
1: they, when, when they discuss being in flow because okay. I get it creatively but not in a sporting sense.
0: Mm. I, I have um, a love-hate relationship with that because I just feel, like, I think, why can't I just be like this all the time? Yeah, you you, you, you know yeah you just think why can't i just be like this and it's uh uh yeah it's a frustration you're gonna be able to let go of that sort of thing and and be grateful for the experience and what you're actually going through at that point you know and uh to be able to i wouldn't say come back to reality because we're not actually coming back to reality reality is actually what we're doing in flow state i reckon you know so uh being able to access that more and more i think is is so important did you find um much challenge out there. Did you find it was difficult with the weather and the chop and that sometimes? Because I know crossing Bass Strait on the Spirit of Tasmania, it can get a bit rough out there.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's a great piece of ocean of, of water because it's well widely recognised as one of the most treacherous bits of water in the planet, which is why people love to cross it. <laughs> it's also only two hundred and forty k's across, so it's it's a manageable distance. Um, but yeah, if anyone's been on the Spirit or been, seen the Sydney to Hobart on a rough, air, rough race, it is absolutely brutal. You can have the most treacherous conditions anywhere on the planet there. So, luckily, it wasn't that extreme for us. But the first day, I mean, we've we've set everything up. We're all we're all you know. I've spent months training. We've got our support boat. I'm all geared up. And then the first day, we set off because we went from Tassie to Victoria. So we started. The north tip of Tassie, a place called Cape Portland,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there wasn't enough wind. I knew there wasn't enough wind because I need fifteen knots to get going. But you're so geared up, you want to go. You're like you're already, you feel all this expectation, and I got in the water and I just couldn't get going. Like I, I was floundering, I was falling. You know, I, and when we talk about flow, the opposite to flow is struggle. because <laughs> yeah. you go through struggle, yeah. and I was in struggle. Like I was fighting. I was, you know, I knew my, I knew what I needed to do, but there, when there's not enough wind, it's, it's pointless. Mm. So I kept going, kept going for four hours in the water, and, you know, there's a lot of... Like, you've got big creatures in the water there, it is a shark-infested strait, and I'm floating in the water for four hours. Mm. The crew's sort of like, what do we do? We, he's not getting going. I could see the frustration on their face. You've got the skipper there who's going, who is this, who is this moron? What the hell is he doing? can't even get up. <laughs> I've never <laughs> met him. <laughs> And he was probably thinking, what the hell have I got myself into? Because he doesn't normally do this sort of stuff. And that was absolute struggle. So I felt really bad. I was more just thinking this is just going to be a no start. So that's the complete struggle. So anyway, we just called it. I got on the boat. And at that point, I was cramping. And I just thought, look, you've got to stick to what you know. You know how to do this. Pull back on your training. Mm. And then we we basically, so we only got like 10Ks that first day. We went, we had a good meal, I'd massaged, I just refreshed myself. Had a couple of messages from the kids which really kept me up. Then the next day, the wind picked up to 15 knots, to 18 knots, I just was refreshed, we went back to that starting point and then just took off and had four hours of just intense flow. So, you know, you just, I literally thought, perhaps I can't do it, perhaps I can't foil, I'm just, I don't know what to do out here. <laughs> but, you know, you just, you draw back on your training, you draw back on your experience, your knowledge, you know you can do it. Yeah. There's nothing different about this bit of water, really. And then um, that second day, everything took off and we just absolutely flew. There was you know, there was birds, dolphins, and ab- that was, I can only describe as being in pure flow, following yeah. that struggle. Yeah. But that's the cycle, isn't it? You go, struggle, you change something, and then the flow comes after that it's kind of always cyclic
0: yeah it all works for you rather than against you but realize that you know things do work against you from time to time and be able to accept it i think that's the key you know without getting frustrated because you're just putting energy into that then if you just sort of uh okay yep this is what it is and, and let go of it i reckon that's what nature's trying to teach us at the end of the day you know but um it's interesting, um, um yeah you were saying before about sort of uh you know falling over and just just not not being able to sort of get uh get up and going did did like a bit of self-doubt and that sort of come in because i know obviously you you'd done the work you knew you could do it It was just a matter of uh you know having the uh the access and ability to to actually achieve that did did self-doubt sort of kick in a little bit as well
1: Oh, massively. I'm sitting in the water and I'm thinking, I've got, you know, we had sponsors, we had partners on board, we had some pretty big-name partners that are involved. Um, You know, I've talked it up, I've been... Channel 7's interviewed me. So I've talked a big game and I'm like, am I just going to be a complete imposter here? Maybe maybe I'm just a complete... It's a complete fraud. That's what I was thinking. Mm. And it was interesting because I thought... I think that was such a good test as well that first day because that helped my resilience just in that experience too. Mm. Realising, and I spoke to, I mean, I've got, I've interviewed and know people that have done some pretty incredible events, like big, big scale adventures, and they all said to me, "Don't stress," because they go, "Most people will take three, four, five goes to actually get their goal." Mm. You know, how many people have we heard of that want to paddle an ocean or sail? And they fail you know they fail the first few times mm-hmm. it's not a failure that is it just it's, it's a hard adventure and there's that comes with risk mm. so I was, I was hearing that but i'm like i still don't want to do that you know what want to happened to yourself you're in the middle of that trade. you've got boats you've got people invested and then you don't want to fail but i did think well if it doesn't happen this time i'll come back and do it in another month mm. like anything's possible
0: mm. being able to let go and of i think so go ahead
1: i think that i think that helped me immensely because i think they're, When you've got people like that saying that, in the back of my mind, I knew that if it didn't happen, I would do it again, but maybe not this time. And that actually made me relax. Then I could relax and go, well, don't stress so much. Anything that's challenging it got inherent risk. Otherwise, what's the point in doing it? Um, Otherwise, it'd be easy and everyone could do it.
0: One one of the traps that we fall into as humans is anticipation. Uh, And I I got a bit of a, a lesson with that over the last week we had the agnes water longboard classic here and uh, oh, wow. that's been going for 23 years but i, I believe people like ex- like anticipate having big waves and this great this great carnival and that sort of thing but the way i saw it was you know nature wasn't working for us um you know the that uh, was it was very 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 uh, amateur like with regards to the the natural assets but one of the guys that ran it, I heard him uh, speak. He spoke with me on Monday night. He come and, come and spoke at our men's circle, actually, which was really good. And um, he said that we had surfable waves every day. It was great, you know. So although I was disappointed as an individual because I never got to see this great surfing, they made the best of what they they, they had and uh, and everyone had good outcomes from that, you know. So it's very hard to predict, you know, um, something when you, you're at the... At the elements of nature isn't it really because um you know you've just got to get what's thrown up and you know trevor hendy sort of said to me uh, a while back um uh, about when he went into surf comps that he had the mindset that the conditions were always perfect you know
1: <laughs> yeah so so, yeah.
0: so whatever was thrown up you know he just uh, he just accepted whereas a lot of the others that were competing against him were frustrated and you know uh, all that but he just said yeah we just work with what we've got and, and away we go
1: and surfing's a classic, isn't it? Because you you know you need surf to have a comp, and you see that time and time again where they're running the Bells Classic or whatever it is. There's no waves, so mm. big wave surfing in Nazare where they might not have the right conditions. So I think that was that was my my stupidity thinking I'm out there and I can guarantee there's going to be wind, for instance. Like it's so ridiculous. Mm. Like you get, you could get kind of take a punt and look at the weather, but at the end of the day, there's no wind. You can't get up. So. I was sort of beating myself up for no reason because it had to do with, it's like going on a surf and the weather's flat, the water's flat, you mm-hmm. can't get frustrated, it's just
0: yes, just the way it is. can is. can't do much about it. That's why you can't I, do anything about it. No, that's it, that's why I do like uh, the land lover type stuff because you're pretty well consistent, <laughs> you're going to be able to get something, you know. Um, but yeah, when you're, when you're going into the elements of, uh, the ocean and so forth, it can really be tricky. So, you know, to be able to be prepared and I reckon over that six month period when you're out every day, you would have been thrown up with um, some pretty challenging weather. So you knew within yourself, you could uh, take on anything.
1: Yeah. And look, I think that was another, I think I don't have a lot of great skills as a sports people. Like I do a lot of things, but I think I do like adversity and I love going out in rubbish conditions so i think i've got a good resilience and did build that up as well so you're going out in rubbish water onshore winds offshore winds rain squalls ice conditions um so i did go out and i did put in the time and spend a lot of time in the water which made me comfortable in in rubbish weather and big waves mm. and i think that def- definitely helped me
0: oh amazing mate um tell me like you at 44 you were sort of burnt out and overweight and all those sorts of things what mm. did you do anything like over that period to be able to get your fitness up like did you get your health back on track some way and how did you do that yeah look i think i well lead leading up leading up to that point i was
1: really depressed i was drinking again i was Sort of feeling pretty rubbish, and then the minute I left that job, I actually I actually got sold my company. Then I got sacked from that company by the people who bought it. They said I was useless. You got like mm. basically treated me like rubbish. And straight after that, as soon as I left that office, and that environment, it was like the weight and the stress just shed off yeah. me. I started literally started losing kilos. I took six months off and went mountain climbing, and I climbed some fairly extreme peaks in New Zealand. So, suddenly, my, I lost 10 kilos, I got fit, I got happy, and literally, I think the stress was such a big part of that weight. I don't know, yeah. I can't explain it, but once I got, once I shared that un, un, you know, unhealthy environment, everything else shifted into gear. So, yeah. definitely doing the mountaineering and the other stuff helped me get my life and get my weight and health back together.
0: Mm. Yeah, mate, that, that's, that's really amazing and, and important to, to hear because... The toxicity that goes along with uh, an environment can really have an impact on your health and obviously your body's responded when you've got out of that environment and you have like those feelings of the weight being lifted across uh, off your shoulders it's it's so um it's so important for people to understand that when we actually are getting bogged down but we're actually unconscious of that you know just to maybe consider what life could be like if we actually took, took another direction and what that could um that could uh, turn into, so to be able to sort of, say, manifest that, you know, and actually like think every day or give yourself time every day to create, um, you know, a pathway for your ideal, um, you know, life moving ahead, I think is really important because if you're stuck in those sort of mindsets in those environments, which are, you know, um, you know really uh, destructive, um, then, you know, all of a sudden disease can happen and you're probably really lucky that nothing actually did pop up and, you know, you had to deal with that as well.
1: No, look, at the same time, when I was about 42, I was doing these, actually, no, it's was about 44, I was doing these, I was doing ultramarathons, like these 100k races at the time, <laughs> yeah. and I was doing one of them, I discovered, an, an, a, like, I a, had an irregular heartbeat, mm. so, I actually, so I actually got diagnosed with an atrial flutter, which meant, you know, I had to have a couple of operations to fix it, and that was definitely a wake-up call as well, so... It, it didn't have any long-term effects to my health, thankfully, but at the time it was it was a fairly big jolt and that helped me re-kick my health as well, going, I've got to change the way I'm living mm. or else I could, literally, I could die of a stroke. Mm. Mm. And, and then that, that affected, you know, changing, reducing the alcohol consumption, stopping drinking for years at a time um, and just changing my life so I didn't have stress involved. Mm. But trying to refocus and re really kind of navigate the way I was living and who I was spending time with to make it more beneficial
0: yeah that that's that's really well said mate it's uh, because it's important if we can actually regulate that stress because uh geez my my life you know getting back to what we we're talking about before was thinking about work before I went to bed thinking about it when I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about it when I got up in the morning you know and that that stress um, you know, it was on consistently. Uh, and, and we yeah. just we just thought that was normal, and the only way you could really balance it out was was with booze. So, that's not yeah. uh, that's not uh, no fault of our own. That's what we're sort of programmed to do. But um, but yeah, look, to be able to self-regulate and to say, well, I'm I'm not going to create environments for myself where I'm going to be stressed. You know, I think that's really important. Yeah, look, it's, it's hard
1: because you have to say no to things. I learned again another thing. You know, when I was fifty, I just said I'm going to be. I've sort of set a goal that I'm going to say be totally honest with myself and people. And it's sometimes it means not being mean to people, but just I won't say I won't agree to stuff that I don't want to do necessarily. Which again, it's kind of so many times we find ourselves just driven by momentum to agree to stuff we don't want to be part of. Yes.
0: Because
1: you just go, you got to go, you got to just go with the flow. Somebody invites you to do something, you don't want to do it, you go and do it. Whereas I'm like, I'm just going to follow my heart and try and be honest. And it was so liberating. Because mm. again, I shed some of the bad relationships, some of the people that maybe were draining my energy, um, and also some of the events and activities which I didn't benefit from. Mm. You know, like I, I struggle with social environments. I really don't like going out. I like being social with people because I film and I'm on sets, but... I like doing activities, basically. I don't like hanging out and drinking, for instance, now. So mm. if you go to me, I want to go for a surf, or I want to go for a run, 100%. But mm. I don't really want to sit around boozing at night. or So that that takes a massive social activities out because everyone does that.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: So I, find, so I find I'll do creative stuff, I'll be active. But, you know, saying no to those things which drain me and put me in bad environments, I have to, I have to make a conscious effort for my own well-being, and I know that's not being antisocial, but just saying no to stuff that doesn't benefit me in or enrich me
0: yes yeah well said mate and you've got a good support mechanism around you with your family and that too and uh, you know some people don't have that but it's maybe being able to um you know work with what you've got and um and then you know through your you know living more in your heart then then those those more heart-centered people will come into your life and then um and then you know you'll you'll create the ecosystem around you which can support you, and then you don't have to go back to, uh, the social environments which can be you know self-destructive, I suppose, in some ways.
1: Yeah, it's like finding. I remember, I think it was a, a one book I read back. You know, when I was when I got booted from my business, And I was like, find your tribe, mm. and it's so it's such a it's so true. Like find that tribe of people that enrich you through sport or whatever it is, but you know, you kind of evaluate, you go, who is, who is that in my group that is that, like you said, that ecosystem is a good way of describing it.
0: Mm, that's true, mate, and it's the same as the home that you live in or the office that you're working, if you can create a nice environment for yourself, then your nervous system responds better, but uh, let's try and get more yeah. out of the office uh, and do the stuff outside, I reckon that's probably a, a fairly important topic, you know, to be able to tap into the flow and the elements of nature for physical and mental health, I, I think, you know, is a great... A great way to be proactive rather than reactive you know rather than waiting for something to go go wrong and while you still got everything working okay for you still continue to enhance that and do things that can con- continually help you grow so uh, before we jumped on this chat i sort of was thinking about what i could possibly do myself at the age of 50 mm. to um to give myself a challenge and and you know create uh, a new ecosystem for myself so you know that's something that i i'm going to try and explore more of and uh, you know hopefully be able to find what that is and be able to create uh you know uh, uh a part of my life which is focused on achieving something which i haven't achieved but a, lot, a lot like what you did mate and you know you you really need to be proud of yourself for doing that and um, all the good things that have come from it like how can people watch the film or sort of find out more about it if they wanted to check it out
1: Yeah, well, look, we're we're, um, gone, our website, gonewiththewing.com.au is the go-to at the moment for content, and my own Instagram, which is at English, Mm. um, E-N-G-L-I-S-C-H, because I've got a weird spelling of English, my last name, but I'll be doing that. And also, we're currently putting the documentary together, which will be ready around April, May. And, um, yeah, I'll I'll keep you posted. And if people follow that, I'll definitely be doing updates where we're creating a a feature documentary out of the the journey.
0: For sure, mate. I'd love to watch it, you know. I reckon it would be tremendous to to actually see that. might give me the motivation I'm looking for, you know. And, um, um, yeah, really encourage anyone out there to... to check it out and, and i didn't actually realize that that website was up gone gone with the w-i-n-g wing is that right that's right gone with the wing.com.au
1: and that's got well that's kind of the hub at the moment for all our info um and yeah i will be we'll keep going but i mean even like being able to speak to people like you if i hadn't done this i would never have met you so nah, open right. up such amazing connections yeah. i'm just astounded
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's what happens isn't it you know it really is um I'm setting up Outback mine as a foundation uh, to sort of help more with men's health throughout regional Australia and my fear is to be able to do it sustainably financially and um, You know just earlier this morning. I got an email from someone about uh, potentially helping out so um, you know if I hadn't have done that set that foundation up which is you know sort of going through the process at the moment then um you know i wouldn't have got to the having has got to have that conversation or we'll get to have that conversation and what what good might come from that you know so that that is uh you know creating creating um you know the life for yourself that you really want um you know and all the good things that can come from it
1: I oh, mate that's well that's awesome certainly regionally you know there's there's a lot of ups and downs just by inherently the nature of some of the battles we all face certainly country and regional mm. areas have a tough and at the moment, you know, with the floods and everything, it's insane. So I think what you're doing is awesome, mate, and I like the people you're talking to, it's, it's yeah,
0: great. Yeah, I hope so. I just, yeah, I, I, you know, it's been something I've, I've had in the back of my mind for a few years and now we have gone through the process of getting it registered and um, then it'll be on to the next step of, uh, you know, getting it up and running and delivering um, some, some stuff to people out there that, 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 that need it because, you know, talking about, you know, the foundation of this conversation is really prehabilitation beats rehabilitation you know and and i want to try and give guys um tools so they can become a bit more self-aware and conscious and and look after their own well-being proactively rather than being reactive in the model that we're in you know we shouldn't be we shouldn't be going to 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 pharmaceuticals um if we can avoid it you know that should be a last resort it shouldn't be the the first option I, i believe in many ways you know there certainly is a uh, a need in some circumstances, but I just think if we can self-manage and, um, you know, do the things that, um, that, that help us uh, continue to thrive, then we can continue to live physically and mentally well, you know, up to 100 and beyond, like you've just explained, you know, I just think, yeah, the best for you is yet to come. You've been through a fair bit uh, up to 44 and, you know, the next 44 years are going to be pretty good, I would have thought, you know, and, and not only are you are going to benefit, but there's lots of people that are going to benefit from that from that as well
1: yeah but that i mean if anyone if anyone i just say to everyone in their 30s or 40s you go jesus you're just, you're just beginning like you yeah. 50. <laughs> you're just getting ripped you're just getting warmed
0: up that's right absolutely it took me a while to to get to that i was like 37 you know when i sort of broke yeah. away from a few things and uh you know uh yeah i'm 50 now and uh yeah i, I guess you know i need to make sure that. Uh, um every day i I see as an opportunity and a gift and and and, and, you know the 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 depression and the self doubt kicks in sometimes but if you can actually see it and observe it and uh and move through it positively i think that's really important and you know to be able to um you know listen to conversations like this and 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 uh, share conversations with others about your own journey i think is really important so Mate, I'm, I'm really grateful for the chat and I'm sure there's going to be lots of people that um, that get a lot from this one and maybe motivate themselves to do something which uh, they may not, may not have considered before, you know.
1: Oh, mate, thanks, Aaron. I'm, I'm honoured to be honoured and in the company of such amazing people that you've got on your show. So <laughs> I'm glad my little journey's resonated and, um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure.